Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family, because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate, and this is my friend Mina Davenport, and she's joining us today to talk to us a little bit about what Christian discipleship looks like in our home with our kids. And I thought this was such a good topic for all of us because a lot of us are trying to raise our kids to love Jesus and to obey us, which often translate into obedience to the Lord eventually. And so I've watched Mina love her kids well, and this is priority. Um, I know you can't do it perfectly. None of us can, but it's really important to you and Adam. And so I just wanted to ask you and have a conversation with you about what this looks like in your life and hope that this is helpful to others that are listening and trying to raise their kids to love Jesus, but also be in the trenches of the details of the day. So anything you want to share, Mina, you are, tell us a little bit about your awesome family that's (laughs) growing and growing. Yes, it just grew a little bit just six weeks ago. Um, So I am married to Adam Davenport. We've been married for, it'll be six years in August. And we got pregnant pretty much right away. And so we have four kids. Our oldest is four and a half. And then we have a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and now a six-week-old. So we are, our hands are full, but I tell people my heart is fuller. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I remember when we found out you were pregnant with the fourth, I was like, is that even possible? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. I think we scared a few people. They're like, wait, you can get pregnant that soon. After. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, your family is amazing and your kids are lovely. So I'm excited to hear what you have to share. So let's just jump in. What does discipleship mean to you in regards to being a mom or specifically with your kids? Because we hear it in the church being a disciple of Christ as adults. But what does that look like in the home with your kids? Yeah. So surprisingly, it's actually not too much different than with adults. So Adam and I read a book a few years ago called Discipling by Mark Dever. And he gives this definition for discipling that I really like. And he says that discipling is doing intentional spiritual good to someone to see them follow Christ. And so I remember really liking that because it kind of tears down these maybe expectations of what we think discipleship is, like, you know, sitting over coffee with Bible open or discipleship classes at church, which it can include those things. But when you broaden it to say intentional spiritual good to help them follow Christ, that really is super broad. And that can be done all day, every day. So that just means that there's no end of opportunities to help my kids to follow Jesus. And I think of the passage in Deuteronomy where it tells um, parents to impress the law upon their kids, talk about it all day and night, whether you're walking or sleeping or, you know, sitting at home, like put it on the doorposts of your house. So there's this idea of talking about the Lord and discipling our kids is not a, you know, let's go to church on Sunday and do that, or just a specific family devotional time. But it's like, it's a lifestyle of teaching our kids to follow the Lord. That's so good. Cause it's like you said, there's never a lack of opportunity 
to disciple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to fall into the confines of the time that you're at church or in a family devotion at home, which can be hard. And that's where I would say it gets a little messy or tricky because it's like in the midst of your day, stopping and seeing the opportunities and not missing them and kind of categorizing that as something that happens at church or during family devotion. Like every moment throughout the day is an opportunity to show them Jesus and really encourage them in hopefully a walk with Christ. So it's so good. So let's put hands and feet to it and make it practical. What does that practically look like on a daily basis? Yeah. So again, there's endless opportunities, right, to be discipling our kids. And so this, I kind of categorize it into two ways. We have like structured discipleship and then that unstructured discipleship. And so the structured portion kind of looks like we memorize Bible verses in the morning. Um, At night, Adam does some sort of devotional with them, whether he's reading through the Jesus Storybook Bible or we're doing the New City Catechism with them. So they're learning truths about God and reciting them. We pray. He prays with them for unreached people groups around the world and talks to them about how some people don't have access to the Bible, etc. So that's kind of like our structured This is what we're doing um, that's set up ahead of time. And obviously there's grace in that. Not every night does that happen, but that's our structured. And then that unstructured just goes back to pointing out everyday things and how they point back to God and who he is. And again, going back to that verse in Deuteronomy, when it's telling us to teach our children all day, every day, it assumes this idea that our kids are born and they don't have a framework for God. Like we are responsible we're primarily responsible to give them that framework. And Mm -hmm. so that can look like anything from taking a nature walk and telling our kids, you know, pointing out how God is so creative in the flowers and the trees. It can look like, you know, as we make a meal to bring to someone explaining, why would we do that for someone? Mm -hmm. It can look like, I don't know, I, I think of, you know, washing the dishes and this might sound really corny or silly, but like washing the dishes and pointing out how, see how the water makes the, makes the dishes clean. Well, Jesus's blood makes us clean and, you know, he removes stains. So all kinds of things, they're everywhere. So that's just, kind of how we have categorized and that takes intentionality it takes time with the lord so that you can actually see those things in your day-to-day life and you can point those out to your kids but that's how we have done discipleship you know in the day-to-day it's so good and like you said there's so many so i think even in a community of friends or girlfriends you could text each other like this was an opportunity we saw not to be like look at me it's like help me share some that you had because i want new creative ideas like that you'll look at the water cleaning the dishes and think of Jesus blood to be able to share that with your kids. I mean, the simple visuals I think are very impactful for the kids um, that we may overlook because we either think they're corny or don't really make an impact. And it's like, that makes sense to the kids. So sharing that with one another, um, I think is really helpful. And I think where it gets tricky for me is like when my kids are, fighting or arguing, like slowing down and taking some time to talk through and push Mm -hmm. them to the cross, to Jesus, seeing their sin and restoring the relationship. All of that takes time and selflessness because I think it's easy to just punish or not deal with the heart and just deal with behavior modification. So that's another way I think discipleship could come up in a practical way throughout the day. I know we'll talk more about that. 
So and that's a good point, uh, Ashley, about the, you know, even sharing with other friends and other mamas about ways that you've seen Christ in the everyday. Because I think of a friend who they were out in their yard with their kids and they saw a baby bird that had fallen out of their nest. And the oldest daughter was just really concerned for this little bird. And her mom was able to talk to her about how, you know, God even cares about the sparrows and how much more does he care for you? So we don't have to be anxious, you know, just correlating to that passage in Matthew 6. So it's just neat to even share those examples with each other so that then when I see the birdies, you know, let me talk to my kids about that too. Exactly. And I think it can be so hard in our world to even listen to this and feel like a failure and like, I'm not doing that and I can't. And so that's unattainable for us and almost push away from relationships where you see another mom doing that really well. Mm -hmm. Instead, fight that temptation and draw near to that mom and watch. I mean, there's so many of you included that I look and admire in your mothering and the temptation could be, I, I don't, I, I don't do that well. And so I'm going to pull, push away out of fear, shame, instead of drawing in like, and that's why I love getting time with you and other moms that are walking with Jesus to watch you interact with your kids and prioritize their heart over behavior modification and prioritize showing them Jesus in moments that I might miss because I, you know, and just not on my radar. So I would encourage all moms listening to press in, lean in versus pull away and fear. So what does it look like? Let's kind of dive into the discipline part of it. Because like you said, when we were talking about this, those go hand in hand, discipleship and discipline go Mm -hmm. hand in hand. So maybe talk a little bit about that and then we'll dive deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So consequences and discipline, I think are part of discipleship. Uh, the problem can lie when we focus only on the consequences and we expect that to change our child, right? So we just dole out these different consequences because the reality is they kind of yield pretty instant results, right? I put air quotes around results because, you know, you could tell your child, if you don't do this, I'm going to take this away. Or if, you know, oh, well, there you go. Now you have to go to bed early or whatever it is. And they seem repentant and, you know, there's this change. But the reality is we're not addressing the heart issue of what's going on. So you might have some behavior modification, but you're totally missing that their hearts are still sinful and they still need a savior. And so the temptation can be to just go to consequences and rely on those when in reality they are there to help us you know, yes, we need to correct our child and we need to shepherd them in the way that they should go, but it's never a means of of changing a child's heart. And so that's where kind of what you talked about, Ashley, it's the hard work of sitting down and talking to them about the gospel, asking questions like what's going on in your heart? Why do you think you did this? You know, trying to draw that out. And I feel clumsy a lot of times when I'm doing that. I'm like, what am I even saying right now? You know, especially when I first started, I'm like, do they understand anything that I'm talking about? But it kind of builds that muscle and you know, and there's grace for failure (laughs) in the midst of that. Well, and I don't know if you struggle with this of just like, what can they developmentally understand? Like you were just asking, because I think sometimes Jed is like, I think you're expecting too much of them. Like she, at least four, or it's like, I think she's smarter than you realize and she's Mm -hmm. catching on. So I think for me, there's a, this battle of not knowing exactly where developmentally she can understand it. And so I think the point is, share it, like start Mm -hmm. early. I think I started late because I'm like, she doesn't understand. I'm not going to waste the time. But just even just like when we sing or pray over our 
our baby in utero, like why wouldn't we want to come out, start talking and praying and singing hymns over them, even though they don't understand the words yet. There was a podcast I listened to and asked Pastor John and John Piper made a point that has just stuck with me all these years. And he was talking about how, you know, some parents say, well, we don't need to put our kids in big church, big church, meaning, you know, the congregation with everybody because they wouldn't understand any of the concepts. And he said, well, let's think about it in in the context of language, right? When our kids come out, they don't know how to talk, but we talk to them. We use every single word that we use. They don't understand. They later have to put, you know, they hear the word and then they start to learn context. Oh, every time that they point at that fluffy thing, they say cat. So that must be a cat. And so the same goes for using these um, concepts of biblical, you know, living, we're going to say a lot of stuff. They have no idea what we're talking about, but hopefully Lord willing, there will be a day where a concept clicks in and they say, wow, I finally understand that. And my mom or my dad has been talking about that thing this whole time, you know? And so that gave me courage to say, you know what, obviously I'm not going to use crazy uh, theological words. I'm going to try to make it as understandable as, as I think that they can um, understand at that time. But to not shy away from talking to them about deep matters. That's so good. Um, Elizabeth Lynch is listening and she just said that she read that from Piper as well and loved it. So thanks for sharing that, Elizabeth. So what about, um, how are you consistent with discipline versus punish? And I got that from Jen Wilkins' parenting message that she gave, where it was like, there's a difference there Mm -hmm. and kind of, making sure that punishment isn't the even the goal and moving more towards a discipline. So wh- how does that look in your life? Can you share a little bit? Yeah. So punishment carries the, the idea of like retribution or paying mm-hmm. someone back for what they've done. And it can be easy. I mean, I even see it in my own heart sometimes like, how dare you do that? Well, because you did that, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And that is never the way that the Lord works, nor is it how we're called to live as Christians, period. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea of punishment. Whereas discipline is a correcting and leading in the way that they should go right so they're not obeying and let's discipline and correct this behavior so that they can go in the way that they should and that distinction is really 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 important because again it comes back to the heart issue if we're just trying to get them to stop doing a certain behavior just because it inconveniences us or it's annoying or it's embarrassing or whatever it is we are completely missing the heart Mm -hmm. and not really doing our kids any favor whereas if we discipline in love and gently and correcting and taking the time as we talked about to work through gospel truths mm-hmm. um that's a way different story and the thing i get tripped up on too is what you're kind of saying there is like god's standard and god's law versus ashley's law of convenience and standard um yes. then they're breaking mom's law versus god's and am i is my heart broken over them inconveniencing me or is my heart broken over them disobeying God's law? And that's such a heart shift for me because in the moment I'm mad that they are not under my control, that I can't control them. Yes. (laughs) And that they broke whatever my rule is for that moment, instead of being heartbroken that they have disobeyed God, their creator that I'm hoping that they will walk with and love for 
you know, eternity. Yes. That mind shift is so hard to work through. Yeah. There's um, a passage that has really helped me to think about biblical discipline and what that looks like is in Hebrews 12. Um, The author of Hebrews is writing to a group of believers who are under trials, but also they are being disciplined by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he writes them to encourage them. And he tells them, you know, uh, do you not know that the that the Lord disciplines his children and uh, he disciplines those whom he loves? And if you weren't being disciplined, you would be illegitimate. You wouldn't even be his children. And um, he goes on to just encourage them that this is for their good so that they would share in holiness with God. And all those all those things help me to realize one, God disciplines those whom he loves. It is out of love and never out of anger, never out of like, again, that idea of paying someone back. And it's also, um, it's to share in God's holiness. Like that's why we set up the rules that we do. And which is, I think that's really important too, to understand what we're disciplining for. Are we disciplining based off of those rules that we came up with because it's inconvenient? Or is this something that we see lined out in the scripture, you know, and, and that doesn't have to be that every rule we come up with is like specifically written in the Bible, because uh, like Ephesians says that children obey your parents. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you in all the land. So parents are setting up rules so it'd go well with them. So to tell our children don't run in the road, that's, you know, that is to do well by our children. But just to differentiate, what is my heart motive behind this? Why? Why am I setting up this set of rules, which has been really helpful? That's awesome. So have you been tempted to just behavior modify, essentially? Because I think that's the quick, easy thing, especially, I know you don't love the Enneagram, but (laughs) I think you um, identify as a three like myself. And so having a nice outer image in public with our kids is somewhat important to Mm -hmm. us, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment when I am embarrassed maybe by their behavior, not willing to kind of dig deep with them to work through it from a gospel perspective, Mm -hmm. just trying to get the the behavior to stop because I'm mortified that they (laughs) act that way. Are you ever tempted by that? And any encouragement of like how to press in, even in that moment when maybe our our image is on the line or our pride essentially. Yes. And the reality is actually it's uh, I'm definitely tempted by that. And our pride is definitely on the line all the time when you're dealing with little kids who say all kinds of things and do all kinds of things. So I am absolutely tempted, even, even not just in public, even in private to say like, why would you do that? You know, to shame or to, kind of what you talked about that control. So we think, oh, if we just get them to do exactly what we want, like we have the wrong end goal in sight. We think behavior modification is the end goal when in reality, that's not the end goal. Mm -hmm. And so again, I don't do this perfectly. I absolutely do behavior modification at times, but I think um, something that is helpful for me is one, if I remember to just pray and ask the Lord, even if it's a quick, quick prayer, Lord, help give me wisdom and even what to say or what my heart is right now. That helps realign, even if, again, if it's a quick prayer, but just to remember that their, again, their biggest issue is that they have sinned against God and me trying to control is never going to work. I'm just going to be a stressed out mom because I can't change my children's hearts. So that realigning, which is constant every single day. And I would say every moment, you know, it's this realigning and going back to what God has, what the big vision for parenting is not just the little moment when they're throwing a tantrum in the store, you know? Right. I just read something this morning 
And I'm always curious when I hear like a tangible thing I can do, because I'm always going to jump on a like a 12 step program. This is how you fix your kids type of thing. But this was just an idea. It felt practical and helpful potentially, because I think Jed and I can or all parents can tend to just harp on our kids for the negative. And there's lots of positive things happening, but they're just overshadowed by all of the bickering and fighting between the kids or the disobedience or defiance that we miss these really beautiful or amazing opportunities to encourage them or show them where they look like Jesus. And I forget what the author was calling it, but maybe like a praise board or something like that where like just a whiteboard or chalkboard or something in a place that people see. So, I mean, I've seen Ellie do that where like her brother really wants something of hers and she graciously gives it where I'm, you know, waiting for her to be like, no, it's mine. And she's like, you can have it. Like to just say that was such a picture of what Jesus would do for us. And I'm, I love to see you love your brother that way. And, you know, and then write it on the praise board. Ellie was graciously offering her strawberry to her brother who, you know, what is something like that. (laughs) I just feel like the, conversations that we can even have at the dinner table are around the day, the day we had that was of discipline and disobedience versus like having that board right there at the dinner table to be like, let's talk about this really cool thing that Ellie did to not manipulate them into doing good things, but drawing attention to where they do look like Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. Encouraging where you've seen growth, I think is uh, our pastor was preaching on um, second Corinthians and he mentioned, so the, the Corinthians are kind of this messed up group of people who are doing all kinds of things wrong, but he stops in the middle of, of the book and Paul commends the, the Corinthians for this list of things that they are doing well. So yes, they have tons of issues. Paul's writing to correct all those issues because you know, they're kind of going off, but he also takes time to correct what, or to, um, praise what he did see good. And that's just a good reminder for our children, for people, you know, our spouses or people that are in our lives to, yes, there can be a correction that happens that needs with our children. It needs to happen. But what are the positive things that would breathe life into them to see, oh, wow, I am growing in this, you know? Yes, for sure. So kind of a couple of these questions um, I wanted to ask just what does Christian discipline look like in your home? If you can even share some of those specifics or what you're willing to share. Because yeah. I think um, that's tough too, especially if you and your husband don't necessarily align or your family of origin didn't necessarily mm-hmm. do it the same way. So all those things come in. And I don't think you realize it until your kid's like one, um, when you start seeing defiance. Because before that, you just have a baby and that issue doesn't come up. But seeing it now with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I mean, Jed and I aren't always in alignment on how we would discipline. So. Could you give some examples of what that looks like for you and for Adam? Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I share how we do it, a just quick note on being aligned with your spouse. Mm-hmm. I think something that is helpful is to even, you know, because a lot of those things, you don't know whether you align or not until the moment you're like, wait, what are you doing? You know, about the situation, et cetera. But unless it's like an emergency and you need to address it in that moment, taking time afterwards to kind of talk, okay, I noticed you did this. Um, why did you do that? Let's let's talk about it. not why in, in a condemning way, but trying to understand what where they're coming from. Because I found that in the moment, if I'm like, "What are you doing right now?" You know, it flusters him and it flusters me if he does it to me because we're in the middle of trying to correct the situation, you know. But then trying to understand each other's perf- perspective and then trying to come to an agreement on how we would do it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as how we practically do it in the little years, as soon as we can see that they know 
what we mean when we say don't touch that or don't do that, you know, and you can see the look in their eyes. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, we do hand smacks or um, spankings. And I know that's controversial. We have just based it off of book of Proverbs and things and how it talks about the rod, et cetera. But that's the correction we've done in the little, little years. But now that our older one is four, four and a half, we've noticed that we don't actually need to really discipline in that way anymore. We don't need to spank um, because she gets the point through other kinds of consequences, like no dessert tonight, or you can't play with your friends this afternoon or, you mm -hmm. know, bed, early bedtime, et cetera. So our goal would be to transition them from in the early years where they just don't understand that kind of negotiating or not negotiating, you know what I mean? Kind of that the different types of consequences and then transitioning them out of spankings. Uh, but I think the key, no matter what kind of discipline you're doing one, again, always doing it in love, never doing it in anger. And if you are angry, which I've seen in my heart, sometimes I'm, I'm, frustrated with them mm -hmm. taking time and it's okay to say okay mommy needs one minute you know and and i'll come back to this etc again depending on the age of your children but not doing it in anger coming to them something that i've just recently started doing is even sharing an example of a way that i've sinned in that way and so yesterday my daughter was complaining all day long and so finally we had to have a like a long in-depth conversation about it and i was able to share that this weekend mommy was doing the same thing i was also complaining in my heart just to kind of show that i'm not above them i too am a sinner and mm -hmm. then concluding with this is what the gospel says the gospel was good news for mommy in this way and this is how it's good news for you right now and then again just always finishing with assuring your love for them and knowing that I discipline you because I love you, not because I'm against you, but right. because I am for you. So those are some of the ways that we discipline. I think that's good. And I, I can't remember if it was you or Bethany that shared the going to bed early because you know spanking as a four-year-old for Ellie, I don't think works anymore. I mean, literally we were like, okay, you can't have dessert or something. And she was like, can I just have a spanking instead? And we're like, oh my gosh. Or she'll say, can mommy spank? And I'm like, oh, what are you saying about my spanking? <laughs> um, but the going to bed early, that was such a nugget of wisdom. I mean, it's a little bit harder on Jed to like get her act together to get her, but to say the other night, you know, we're like, you have to go to bed five minutes before Parker. And she's like, oh, does he get to play? What are you going to do? Like how long again? And Parker's yeah. how to be out. And it's like, it's so ridiculous in our mind, but it's a big stinking deal to her. Um, yes. The thought of her going to bed before Parker, you know, and so I was like, I'm going to go in with Parker and we're going to play a little bit before he goes to bed. And she's like, oh, this is awful. Yes. But it just, I mean, the weight of that as a consequence for her is a big deal and it, it's sometimes effective. So I, yeah. I definitely encourage trying that for sure. Um, and then I would say with not being aligned with your spouse to be really careful and I'm guilty, guilty as charged with this, with Jed of like, I, in the moment he's doing something that I'm not sure about. If I question that and Ellie hears it, mm -hmm. she'll start siding with me. Like, yeah, mom said that one was too hard, daddy, too hard. No more, uh, you know, or whatever it is. Yes. Yes. It's, it just is not because then, I mean, there are kids are going to do anything they can to pit the spouses against each other. And so mm -hmm. be very cautious of that. Yeah. Um, well, because we're running out of time, just a, a, another question for you real quick. Mm -hmm. How do you implement discipleship into the rhythms of your week or month? I know you said you do scripture memory in the morning, Bible study or things of reading from the um, storybook Bible at night. Any other things that you would say of pulling it into the week or month? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, we have those rhythms and I do want to just 
share too, because it was liberating for us um, when we were trying to start like family devotions and kind of that more structured stuff mm -hmm. um, to be okay that there's going to be failure and there's grace for that. And the goal is never to start something and be perfect at it. And yeah. and it evolves with our children as they grow and as we change, et cetera. So that was really liberating. Like, yeah. it's okay if today was a hard day and we say, you know what, everybody, we're going to bed early, you know, and, yeah. and just to be okay with that. And then any challenges that you face during the different stages or ages of your children that you would draw attention to? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with a bunch of stages because my right. oldest is four. Cool. You know? So, um, but I would say at least the experience I have so far is exhaustion. There's a real physical exhaustion that comes with having little kids and mm -hmm. it can be, uh, just really tiresome and easy to, you know, let's just flip on the show all day or, um, you know, not be intentional with them. So that's something that has been a challenge and I've had to push through. And also kind of what we talked about, do they understand is what I'm doing really reaping any kind of harvest? Is there an eternal value to this? And just remembering that my job is not to change my children. It is to be faithful to the Lord and to steward them well, because they are not ultimately mine. They're the Lord. So that's so far what I've seen in the stages. I'm sure there's lots of challenges to come. Well, one thing you mentioned of, of just, and I think this is so valuable, is going to our kids and saying, I'm sorry, yes. when we are in sin, because we are often. And I come, that's one thing. It's still hard. I still, I mean, my pride still fights me a little bit. But to be able to look at my kids in the face and ask them for forgiveness and to tell them I'm sorry, I think does makes a huge impact on our kids. So don't, I guess, underestimate the power of us confessing to our kids, even if they don't totally get it. I mean, Ellie often says, it's okay, mom, you don't have to say you're sorry about that. <laughs> like, no, I really want to say I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that happened. And mommy makes mistakes and there's consequences for me too, just like they are for you. So having those conversations, you mentioned a couple of resources. Is there any other books that you would recommend to maybe moms that are listening? Yes, I would recommend Parenting by Paul David Tripp, Shepherding a Child Heart by Ted Tripp, his brother, Treasuring Christ When Your Hands Are Full by Gloria Furman. There's another book called Gospel Fluency by, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Vanderselt. And he talks about applying the gospel to everyday situations of life. So it helped me to see everything through a gospel lens, thus helping my children. And then lastly, there's two series of children's books that are really good. There's the first series is called... Um, Good News for Little Hearts, and they're counseling books. So each book, it's little animal stories, but there's a story with some sort of sin that they're dealing with and how the gospel applies to that. And at the end of each book, there's uh, parent resources and how to counsel your kids and parent your kids through these different, you know, fear, selfishness, um, bullying, etc. And then um, the other one is... Um, tales that tell truth and they're Bible stories that they kind of slow down and have beautiful pictures for, but then they apply the gospel. How, how do we see Jesus even in the old Testament? So all those resources have just really helped me in discipling my kiddos. I love it. Well, thank you, Mina, for taking this time because I know you're busy with your little ones. So I appreciate it. And I know other mamas that have been listening um, are grateful for what you had to share. So thank you. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you, Ashley. All right. See you, Mina. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home, where it all begins.